Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on. Uh, good evening. Hope you've had a wonderful day. Welcome to Time On. Sam Hargraves with you this evening. Plenty to work our way through. And, of course, Time On as we wrap up the day. It's your time to have your say on the news of the day. one 736 736 is the number. 0433981116. You can text at any time on the Temper text machine. Temper is a mattress like no other. Well, these days are a little bit like no other that we're going through at the moment. Plenty of fallout still continuing uh, from Collingwood's press conference yesterday after the leaked story in the Herald Sun meant that uh, they fronted media Uh, to talk through the findings and recommendations uh, from an independent report that was done into racism that found that there was systemic racism at the club. And um, a lot of people have had their say on that. So if you've missed all that, we'll work our way through some of the major voices and main voices that have given their thoughts on the way that Collingwood's press conference uh, unfolded yesterday. Plenty of other stuff to get through as well. On a day that Merv Hughes becomes the 56th inductee into the Cricket Hall of Fame. We will speak to the great man himself. So I'd love to get any stories, any recollections, any meetings of Merv that you've had as we can celebrate that wonderful achievement. And I think we often forget just how great a player Merv was because of just how big a character he is. And sometimes uh, the character of the man uh, and what he's done for the culture of cricket, the zeitgeist of it during uh, the formative years of one-day internationals and, and, and everything that came with him and with that, sometimes we just forget he was an elite player, 1994 Wisdom Cricketer of the Year, uh, over 200 test wickets and, and doing it at a time where Australia was absolutely ST ruggling. So uh, really looking forward to catching up with Merv Hughes at 630 um, Eastern Time today. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Plenty happening around in terms of cricket. Uh, the Herald Sun reporting that Australia's tour of South Africa in serious trouble uh, as a mutant strand of the coronavirus currently spreading rapidly through South Africa. Cricket Australia is set to make a decision about that in the coming days of the tour. Uh, former number one draft pick Tom, Tom Scully from an AFL point of view has retired from AFL effective immediately after admitting uh, he'd lost the passion to continue playing at the highest level. Scully uh, has been battling a long-standing ankle injury, decided uh, he would not play at the last year of his contract. Um, some personal issues as well, believed to be uh, in and around that decision. So um, a disastrous preseason. It's been for Hawthorne on a number of different levels, whether it be injury, retirements, um, scandal, of course, um, behavioural issues as well. Uh, Not a great pre-season for the brown and gold. Um, Michael Klinger has parted ways with the Renegades, and I'll speak to him um, a little later on in the evening during the Sporting Capital. Um, Two years, and it hasn't been a great two years from a Renegades point of view. Uh, They come off winning BBL 8 and then have won, I think, I think it's uh, seven games out of a possible 28. Um, Michael Klinger uh, will leave the Renegades to take up a role with Cricket New South Wales. He's set to do 
become their head of male cricket. And now it sort of opens up to see who will be his replacement. Cameron White is uh, someone highly touted and highly recommended in that role. Could it be Brad Hodge or Trevor Bayliss or Dave Saker, a couple of guys that Michael Klinger beat out for that role? Uh, love to get your thoughts on that. 0433981116. Who should be the next coach of the Renegades? I'm amazed that Darren Berry um, isn't doing more elite-level coaching. Um, anyone that's listened to Big Bash Nation this year, um, a lot's made of in the NFL when Tony Romo does special comments because he predicts what's just about to happen. He reads the defense. Um, he looks at what the, where the quarterback's shaping up. He looks at everything that's just about to unfold, and he says, watch out for this, and it unfolds. Chuck Berry has done the same thing all throughout this Big Bash tournament. Um, 0433 The uh, The Collingwood story that... Uh, is dominating the headlines at the moment. There's been plenty of people having their say on that. There's an AGM tonight, uh, we understand. Um, so if you are participating in that or do participate in that and want to give us a call and, and let us know how that went and report in, love to hear from you, one 736 736 So yesterday um, when Collingwood fronted up for a press conference, a story uh, and the actual 35, 36-page report to the independent report done by two professors from uh, Sydney University, from the University, uh, Sydney University of Technology, um, was leaked and revealed, and the findings uh, that were contained within were, were damning, uh, and found systematic racism had existed for a long time at the Collingwood Football Club. Um, so Collingwood, probably ahead of what they would have liked to have scheduled, uh, scheduled a press conference and. Um, of course, words that are going to echo for all the wrong reasons uh, when Eddie Maguire said this is a proud and historic day for that club. And that has really been where the story has gone, not so much the report itself, which Gillan McLaughlin t- talked about today, but the way in which this was presented uh, and distributed and the way in which it has been portrayed and the tone that was set by the Collingwood Football Club yesterday. So a lot of people have been having their say on that. So we'll work our way uh, through those. Mark Anderson spoke to Gary and Tim Uh, this morning? I can absolutely put hand on heart and say our people are not racists and they're not individually racist and and or show those behaviours. And have we got things wrong in the past? Absolutely. And do we need to own those? Mm. Yes, we do. But there are good people in the organisation and, in fact, outside the organisation that that are supporters of ours uh, that are genuinely good people with good intent and want to do the right thing. Uh, he went on to talk about uh, the systemic racism that was referred to in the report. What it was referring to is that we don't have the systems and policies and practices in place to appropriately deal when there are issues that occur uh, that we don't have those systems in place. And so that's what it's referring to around the systemic uh, issues. And so it's not, and the report does acknowledge this, it's not about the people and systemic racism of people. It's talking about the systems in place to support and ensure that the right things happen. And Even Dan Andrews, the Premier. Um, that was Mark Anderson, by the way, Collingwood CEO, speaking to Gary and Tim on SEN Breakfast. It's up on the podcast, sen.com.au. Even the Premier was asked about Eddie Maguire today. If you commission a report, you front it and, you, and you're committed to, to doing what you can to fix it, that's a good thing, isn't it? You've asked me, should he go? And I'm saying, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's running from a challenge instead of dealing with it. Tim Watson, very strong uh, on SEN Breakfast this morning.
I said earlier in the program, the only time that it really righted itself is when somebody else had control of the mic. And in particular, Jodie um, Sizer, who was outstanding. I don't know whether or not she's seen as a possible successor to Eddie and the chairman and the president of the college. I don't know whether she or not she's... But she was ultra-impressive yesterday. And there were a couple of times there where Eddie went to answer questions and she actually came in over the top and said, look, look, I'll take that. And then proceeded to give really good considered responses I, you know i said this earlier in the program that you know he, he at times he, he was drowning in his own cliche dribble eddie yesterday and a lot of times he gets away with that but yesterday it was just a really poor attempt at trying to put a pr spin on something and paint this really positive picture about the collingwood football club when what they had to deal with was the report mm. and it was a serious damning report yeah and it needed serious consideration and a much better explanation as to where the Collingwood Football Club has been over the years. And it's tough, it's hard, but, you know, when you're in those positions, like he is, the chairman, the president of a football club, then that's what you have to stand up and present. And I just think he fell a long way short yesterday being able to do that in a really positive, strong way, representing the Collingwood Football Club. If... Heredia Lumumba, uh, a person very central to this situation, has also spoken. He spoke to ABC earlier this morning. Yes, I feel the report does vindicate all of the claims that I've been making for almost uh, eight years now. And to see that an independent review has been done where a report has clearly outlined, extensively outlined, that the Collingwood Football Club is guilty of systemic racism absolutely does back up all of my claims and also the claims of the countless other people that have had incidents of racism with the Collingwood Football Club. Tanya Hosh, who's the Executive General Manager of Inclusion and Social Policy at the AFL, uh, was speaking to the ABC today and first addressed uh, Eddie Maguire. Look, it's not a word that I would use. Uh, I think it was an incredibly sobering day. Um, I suspect that the sentiment he was trying to express had more to do with the fact that they'd taken this step. Um, but again, yeah, proud is not a word that I would use. I think that when they start to do the implementation work of the 18 recommendations, um, getting to the end point there and then working out what they have to do after they've completed that work, mm. that's when you can start to feel proud. Tanya Hosh from the AFL speaking to the ABC. She also spoke about Heredia Lumumba. I think that it is important to acknowledge that Heretia has been incredibly brave and um, courageous in continuing to want to bring light to his experiences at the club. It is really hard often for people to speak out about racism and if this does help people have the confidence to do that, that is a good thing because as I've said to others, you can't address a problem you don't talk about and we do need to hear these stories. Uh, Tanya Hosh, the AFL's Executive General Manager of Inclusion and Social Policy and the CEO of the AFL, Gil McLaughlin, uh, spoke to media today as well. I've spoken to Ed. Um, could they ask him some questions? Um, um, I, I think um, the articulation of the report yesterday was, was challenging uh, in its wording and certainly some stuff like questions I asked about Ed and... Um, you know, I'm disappointed the focus today is around um, the way the report was talked to rather than uh, the report itself, because that's the important piece, is that it is a report that goes to the history of race in the Commonwealth Football Club and it has 18 recommendations that um, are going to drive that club. 
I said I thought I would have used a different word. I thought it was more sober and confronting, and I think, you know, as a, a general conversation, I didn't talk to specifics. Maybe, maybe did talk to that word. Yes. Going forward, the board's committed to embracing, and that should be what we should be talking about today. Uh, Gil McLaughlin speaking about how yesterday unfolded, and and the point about maybe the fact that the report itself and the recommendations have sort of been lost in this, and um, and that's all due to the fact that of the way in which that was presented at the press conference yesterday. I can I just say that Daniel Cherney, um, who's a, a journal, sports journal with The Age, is covering the uh, the AGM at the moment that, that Collingwood's uh, currently going through. And uh, he is quoting Eddie on a tweet saying, uh, Eddie Maguire, I got it wrong. I said it was a proud day and it wasn't. Um, I think we've all been waiting to hear from Eddie. We thought that he was going to be speaking to media today, but uh, that is uh, a quote attributed to Daniel Cherney off Twitter saying that that's what Eddie has said uh, at the AGM currently uh, ongoing for the Collingwood Footy Club uh, at the moment. Um, And Channel 7 reporting that uh, Eddie Maguire has made an apology for those remarks and that he regrets the Proud Day comment. And I think you've got to take that at face value. It, It... when I was speaking about this yesterday, I didn't. I think I was in a bit of a state of shock and a bit of a state of sadness. I and we'll get this audio to that that Channel Seven have got up at the moment because I think it's important to play that. Um, Phil Cleary spoke to Bob and Andy earlier today and spoke about the fact that he should be given a chance to address this and say I got it wrong, um, and I think has done that by what I'm seeing playing out at the moment. So we'll get that audio as quick as we can. Um, the um, what I think sort of made me sad about yesterday was it, it could have been a real opportunity to set the tone, to lead the way throughout the AFL and maybe in sport. The, 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 de- the declaration that they were going to do that didn't really sit comfortably with people after the pronouncement that this is a proud and historic day, didn't it? And sometimes real leadership doesn't mean... It, it, what real leadership sometimes means is that it's to right the wrongs. You do need to acknowledge them and atone for them and have humility in them. And I reckon a lot of people made this point that that was what was missing yesterday. A lot of talk about here's what we're going to do and the 18 recommendations and here's everything like that. But within that report, it spoke about the irreparable, the irreparable harm that had been done uh, to Indigenous players um, uh, and, and other minority players to their families, to, to their cultures, to, the, to, to their communities. So in order to be a leader in that space, you can't take the first big step forward and that be, you can't take the first big step and that big step to be a sidestep, a little evasive step around that very, very important part of, of, of that report. So harm had been caused, real harm had been damaged and to have it described as missteps and mishaps along the way, I think that, that just didn't really sit well at all and, and, ended up being very disrespectful to to those issues there. The acknowledgement or lack of acknowledgement of that and and the lack of an apology, it it could have been a day like like St Kilda last year where it was just, this is not a proud day for us. We have made some very, we have done damage in the way that we've handled these situations and handled these incidences and we've caused pain and we've caused grief and we unreservedly apologise from here on out. We want to make amends for that. We want to atone for that. And from here on out, here's what we want to do. I, I think it could have been a day that would be celebrated. It could have been um, it, a, a moment that stood the test of time. It could have been one of the finest moments for the footy club off the back of some awful moments. And, and they're not the only club with awful moments and no one's saying that for a second. But that first step can't be a sidestep. 
And maybe that's because they weren't ready. Maybe that's because they were going to do all that and it got leaked and then you jump out and you try to be, you try to be bold and you try to get out in front of it and you tried to change it. But the, one of the biggest criticisms was that in the past, the image of the footy club has been more important than the issue itself. And that seemed to be, and, and as Tony Armstrong said, the former Collingwood player said that it's ironic that the events of the press conference yesterday just reinforced the findings of the report. So we got a lot about the recommendations, but not enough acknowledgement of the findings. It's very hard to take that first step. It could have been a landmark moment, but all the focus was on the recommendations, not the findings. And then even arguing with some of the findings too just didn't sit well and didn't ring true to what they were saying that they wanted to do. So I think it, it is a disappointing moment. And and Tony Armstrong is correct that it sort of did prove the findings. Gill's correct. Now the focus is really about the delivery, not about the report, which there is courage in holding a mirror up to yourself. There is courage to say we have been, and the report said we have been central to some of the most horrible issues of racism and we haven't addressed them properly and we haven't. So that's there is courage in that. But to try and gloss over them and then say that we're a leader in the space, it's very, very hard to sort of make that link. It, it, it just, it, I, think, I think I walked away from yesterday with this feeling of sadness for what yesterday could have been. And now what it is, it needed to be a moment of healing, humility, of unity, but we got, a, a, unfortunately, a moment of spin. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. 0433981116. Apparently, Daniel Cherney tweeting as well that Dane Beams has been inducted as a Collingwood Life member at this AGM tonight as well. Um, but we will get the audio very soon of um, Eddie's uh, apology, and we might come back on the other side uh, and do that. In other news, AFLW, Arden Street, the Sunday game between St Kilda and North Melbourne is a sellout. Um, rising stars for this round for the AFLW, St Kilda's Tani White, 20 disposals uh, versus the Dogs on the weekend and Isabel Dawes from the Brisbane Lions, uh, 21 disposals. Chris Egan, by the way, uh, has spoken. He was one of the players that was uh, interviewed uh, as part of this review or um, investigation, whatever, where the report into the incidents that have happened in the past for Collingwood and the recommendations. And he has uh, put on social media, uh, dishonest, downplayed and no apologies. Club's image always more important than individuals' wellbeing. Great opportunity to let the tell the world what the club has done wrong and own the mistreatment and pain you have caused. Always held us accountable if we weren't honest, but you've really struggled to come to terms with that yourselves. Told all of us what every current day multicultural player had to say about the club, but failed to dig into the real uh, SH1T that went on in that review. Can't believe I wasted my time. Proud day. Actually, it was a sad day because it was an effing train wreck. Uh, that's from Chris Egan, former Collingwood player who was uh, interviewed as part of this report. Uh, hashtag side by side my ass. Hashtag pathetic. Hashtag thanks for the kick in the guts. Uh, 1300 736 736 is the number 0433 Merv Hughes will join me after 6.30. Time on. ICN, your home of sport. Time on. I got it wrong. I said it was a proud day for Collingwood and I shouldn't have. I did not. I did not mean we were proud of past incidents of racism and the hurt that it caused. I am not. Eddie McGuire speaking at Collingwood's AGM this evening uh, after... What was described by many as a train wreck of a press conference yesterday, and it's hard to argue with that uh, for most of it. It um, will probably be taught in PR classes for many, many years to come on 
what not to do in those situations when it really could have been a moment where you looked at and said, that is how to do it. Um, so I think it was a big opportunity lost. And I've also been thinking too, why weren't the authors of the report there? I know that it sort of had to come up after the after the, the, the report itself was leaked, but I really think that it should have been the authors there to answer those questions as well and for Collingwood just to lay it out there and say, this is what we found. And Unfortunately, that wasn't how it went, but Eddie McGuire apologising at the AGM this evening. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number for you to have your say. Merv Hughes to join me in about five or six minutes' time. Adrian in Taylor's Lakes. Hello, mate. Hey, Sam. How you going, mate? Good, thanks. Um, I'll try to be quick. Um, look, look, what happens is bad. It's fair enough, you know. Um, if he's that disgusted with the club and all that sort of stuff, if I was him, wouldn't you hand back the premiership medal? Has he done that? Has he done? Has he handed back the medal and say, you know what, I don't want anything to endorse this club. Here's your medal back, whatever. You know, you take it back. I've got, one, I've got one more point also. Tom Scully retired today, didn't he? Yeah, I mentioned that off the top. Yeah. Has he had a press conference? Uh, no, but there is a statement up on Hawthorne's website yeah. where he's quoted you know, in that. Do you know why he hasn't had a press, press conference? Can I just get you to be very careful what you say next, Adrian, because... Um, uh-huh. Because you know, right? No, no, no. I don't know, and nobody does. But you, there's been a lot. Hang on, Adrian. Just yeah, yeah. Because yeah, if this been... was Collingwood, you'll be you'll be swallowing this up, mate. That's why it makes me sick. Okay. Makes me sick, mate. He's all one eyed. Okay. Thanks very much, Adrian. Um, I cannot see the connection between what happened with Collingwood yesterday and a new issue as serious and as sensitive and as important as racism in sport, I'm sorry, mate, I cannot see the connection at all between what happened yesterday and Tom Scully announcing his retirement. Those two have absolutely nothing to do with each other except for the fact that maybe that it's a football... It's about someone at a football club. Um, And I have no idea whether Heredia Lumumba's handed back his premiership medal, and I think if that's what we're focusing on, and with all due respect... We're missing the important part of what's happening here. But, uh, yeah, there's there's nothing related at all between Scully and the Collingwood Football Club. And what aboutism, it just adds nothing to any argument. Uh, John in Doreen. G'day, John. Uh, How you going, Sam? Good, thanks. Um, I'll I'll keep it very brief because I know you've got someone coming on. Um, I am a Collingwood fan too, so I'll get that out there. Um, the the follow-up with Eddie today, I think, was um, a bit more um, along the lines of what the expectations were. Mm. There's two things I really want to um, I, I bring up. As unfortunate as it will be for the Collingwood Football Club, this hopefully allows 17 other clubs to look internally and see where they're at. Mm. Yep. And, and where they're at won't ever come to light like it has for Collingwood, Yeah. And the other thing on that is that clearly we're getting one snippet of one football club with serious issues around this issue of racism, and that's fair and it needs to be analysed and it needs to be fixed, and I hope the football club is able to get on the right track and do that. But there's no measuring um, stick here. There's no depth of understanding if, you know, 85% of the clubs have the same issues because other clubs haven't done this review. So I think there needs to be a little bit of um, calmness around that and hopefully we won't hear anything from other clubs because they have a, they now have a chance to reflect and see where they've gone wrong based on the findings that have happened at the Collingwood Football Club. Your thoughts? 
Oh, I think that I, I would love to hear from other clubs. I would love to see other clubs but you say. Won't, Sam. Well, I don't. I don't know that. Um, we would love to see other clubs because I think, as I said a few times, that there is there is things to commend the Collingwood Football Club on here. Unfortunately, those things have been lost in the way in which, in the very poor way in which it was presented yesterday, which Eddie Maguire has apologised for. And, and pretty much everybody has said that was not the tone to set and, and an opportunity missed. You know, look at the way that St Kilda handled what happened with Robbie Muir. That just unequivocal in the apology uh, and, and laid it all out and, and they showed humility, they showed remorse and they showed... And I'm not saying that there isn't that that exists at Collingwood. I'm saying it just wasn't the first... You know, that old expression, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And and that's the yeah. failure of yesterday, when it could have been a moment that stands the test of time and a real moment of unity, healing and a platform to move forward. And it could have been the tone setter for what's to come. Unfortunately, it missed the mark in a massive way. And Eddie's apologising for that. And that is being acknowledged today. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And I'll very quickly say, my call wasn't in relation to Eddie's um, furphy or the way he went, not furphy, the way he went about that, mm. faux pas, I should say. It, was, it wasn't good, and I, and I think he should apologise for that. It was more about the issue itself. Let's, let's not worry about who's delivering the apologies, um, and although Eddie is a very important figure. It's the issue itself at the Collingwood Football Club that needs to be addressed. Yep. And what I'm saying is that the issue at the Collingwood Football Club, I bet, is not the only... When, they're, they're not the only club that have no. this issue. No. Maybe on a higher level, but every other club is going to have the issue and they're now going to have the luxury of being able to look at this from afar and fix their own house yep. before it becomes public. And you're right, that is something that, uh, that Collingwood should be commended for. Not for the incidents of the past, but for the fact that they wanted to take an unflinching and uncompromising view, an independent review. However way they got there, there are people saying, oh, that was forced because of this or forced because of that. And those are all valid points. But they got there eventually... Uh, and now the, they are going to adopt all 18 recommendations yeah. from that it. report. Time to fix it. The only thing that needed to happen was also really acknowledging and expressing remorse for the findings because you can't take yeah. that first step with it, with it being a sidestep and a dance around. But, John, thank you so much for the call. I really do appreciate it. Uh, before we get to the break and then welcome Merv Hughes on a big day that he was uh, announced as being the uh, 55th, 56th uh, inductee into the Cricket Hall of Fame. Uh, Daryl, hello to you. G'day, Sam. How's it going? Really well, thank you. Um, I want to talk. You're going to interview Merv soon. I had the opportunity to go on a 2015 Ashes cricket tour with Merv as a uh, tour host. And uh, he's absolutely magnificent. We all know his gregarious character and whatnot. But um, two days into the trip, my partner had a mild heart attack back in Australia. And um, the tour operator said, look, he'd organised for me to travel back to Australia that day if I needed. And he told Merv, and Merv came over and put his arm around me. And then every second or third day of that 21-day tour, he got me on the quiet and said, Hey, big fella, how's your day? I'll go and give her my best. So, I just, mm. yeah, oh, he's a ripping bloke. And, I, and I'm very proud to say I got drunk, drunk 21 <laughs> days in a row with Mervyn Hughes on, in uh, England and Ireland. Uh, always drink responsibly, of course. That's our message here at oh, SEM. We that's it. that's we wonderful. Birmingham and we were getting smashed and the crowd were chanting us, us Aussie tourists, and I've had the privilege that day. I sit next to Mervyn and you go, 
if they don't shut up, big fella, I'm going to belt you. <laughs> you, know, thought, <laughs> you know, that was it. But no, just a ripping host and yep. magnificent uh, speaker at dinners and stuff. Yeah, and just a really genuine, caring man. That he didn't have to show that compassion to me, but I'm forever grateful that he did. Uh, and I'm really grateful for the call, Daryl. Thank you very much. And I reckon that sentiment sort of echoed by just about any person that spent uh, any time with Merv, myself included. Um, we'll have a chat to him about that and a whole lot more. Merv Hughes, the latest inductee into the Cricket Hall of Fame, will join us next. Uh, one of the greats. Time on, SEN. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on. Uh, welcome back to Time On. Continue to get your calls through. one 736 736 is the number. 0433 on the Temper text machine. Temper is a mattress like no other. One of the great stories of the day revolves one of the greatest ever. And uh, I think that every person that would have read the story today um, that stated that Merv Hughes would become the 56th cricketer inducted into the Cricket Hall of Fame. Uh, every person that read that it would have put a smile on their face. Um, the contribution to cricket from this man, not only as an elite player, but a, a cultural uh, phenomenon as well, a character um, immeasurable in what he brought to every facet uh, of the game and one of the truly most loved and revered characters that we've seen in the sport. But his record as a cricketer is uh, as good as any as well. Um, he's been good enough to give me some time and I was lucky enough to have spent some time with him uh, as work colleagues and uh, it's uh, some time that I'll forever be grateful for. Uh, Merv Hughes has been good enough to jump on the line. Hello, mate. Congratulations. Sam, thank you very much, mate. Um, how did uh, when did you find out, and how did you find out? Um, found out probably November, early November. I uh, got a, a phone call um, from the Australian Cricket Association, uh, just informing me and letting me know that obviously there's going to be more direction down the track, and uh, keep it to yourself. And and I've got to be honest, it was pretty hard keeping it to myself. <laughs> Can you hand just, on heart I say? Wanted, I, just, <laughs> I just wanted to tell everyone. <laughs> For someone who really likes to chat, I can imagine that this this would have uh, yeah, this would have been a real struggle. Uh, yeah, it certainly was. So I obviously told um, Susie, the wife, and the kids, mm. and then kept it kept it pretty in house from there. But um, yeah, just absolutely stoked, and and to be quite honest, overwhelmed by it. Do you? Um, how does it sort of sit with you? You mentioned that you you're stoked with it, overwhelmed by it, but um, when. When you think about that, Hall of Fame, uh, how does it make you feel? I'm very proud, um, obviously, to, to join the guys that are in there. Like, you have a look at the, the names in there, and, mate, as an individual, you look at that and you think, I, I don't measure up to that. So, I mean, other, other people's eyes to, to be identified um, for the contribution uh, you, you gave to cricket and, you know, to be recognised um, all these years later, um, yeah, yeah, couldn't be happier. I think, though, that that's sometimes something that's overlooked with you, with all due respect, because you are such a, a wonderful character of the game and you were so crucial into, you know, establishing the identity and the feeling and the fun, especially of one-day one day international cricket at that time. But your performances at test and one-day international level shouldn't be shied away from. 53 tests, uh, 212 wickets, an average of 28, and part of that very uh, exclusive club of test hat-tricks and test 70s that you and Flem are the two sole... <laughs> 
<laughs> occupants of that club. But um, your one-day record as well, um, just phenomenal. That's sometimes overlooked because of just how big an impact you had to the culture of the sport as well. well I think you're being a bit fluttering with the one-dayers. Um, I only played the 30-odd one-dayers and... Uh, to, to be honest, didn't didn't really play a lot, and was told by selectors that um, they, they just wanted me to play Test cricket and, and just have that um, aggression um, for and, and that sort of a attacking outlook for to Test cricket. But um, to, to play one days and especially at the MCG with sixty seventy thousand people was was always fun. But um, certainly every time you, you stepped on the park, I, I really think the the thing that kept me going was that I didn't want to let anyone down. So. The selectors pick you for a reason, um, and if if you had a bad day, uh, it wasn't so much oh well, it was me. It was more I used to sit back and and look at the pressure and, and stress that Alan Border was under as, as captain, and then uh, Bob Simpson was under as coach, and occasionally you see the selectors there. Um, so you, for for me, if, if you had a bad day, it wasn't just yourself. You let down you you let down your teammates, and and certainly let down the captain and the coach and. Uh, they, were, they were fantastic leaders. Um, you know, you, you would have crawled over broken glass for them. So uh, to to be in the side at that stage, to to play all my test matches under Alan Border and, and Bob Simpson as coach, um, and to play in an ever improving Australian side, um, I, I hold, hold that very very close to my heart. What what are your fondest memories of your of your playing career? Um, well, most people say their first test match, and my first test match wasn't all that, all that flattering, <laughs> to be honest. But um, it probably um, just goes in waves. So probably the first three or four years, how tough it was, and then uh, the big turnaround in, in 89. And, uh, and people talk about um, highlights of your career. And 89 Ashes Tour from start to finish, and then the 93 Ashes Tour from start to finish, Um wouldn't it, wouldn't have changed anything for the world. It was, uh, it was fantastic to be a part of. And 89, we went over there very much underrated and not expected to win. But, you know, you got a bloke like Terry Alderman in your side. And we had Carl Rackerman and Trevor Holmes back from um, the South African band. And just the, the experience and the knowledge they, they added to the team um, just really put the icing on the cake. And, you know, we had really strong leadership, as, as I've mentioned. And then you had that youth coming through. So... Uh, blokes like Mark Taylor and, and Steve Waugh um, really shone on that tour, and Ian Healy was fantastic. So at that stage, we we played together for three or four years, and and we we just sort of grew as a, as a team. Did we were you sort of aware of what you were doing to the identity and for the identity of the game in those stages? I, some of my earliest memories of coming down from Bendigo to go to the MCG to watch those one days, and I remember going to a couple and you weren't playing in the in the early nineties, and and I was devastated. But my dad took me down, and I wasn't I was maybe ten, I reckon, maybe younger, and he said we're sitting in Bay Thirteen because you have to be there when Merv goes down <laughs> the final. Like, I don't know if that was a place for a kid that age, but we had a great time uh, and. And loved it, and the way that the crowd just embraced and loved you—not just Melbourne, but everywhere. Were you sort of aware of what you were doing for the identity of of, of cricket at that time as well? Oh, not really. But uh, at that time too, it was pretty tough going, and, and probably a little bit earlier. So pre '89, when you played uh, the one days, and, and especially at Melbourne, mm. Alan Border always said, "You know, we're going through a tough period." Any crowd support we can get, we're, we're going to lap it up. Um, so he, he made it a point to put me down in front of Bay 13. So he's virtually to blame for all that. Um, but to, to get down in front of Bay 13, it's just my de- demographic, really, isn't it? You get down there and um, the, the boys are the shirts off and they're, they're on the, 
on the grog and they're having a few beers and a, and a lot of fun and I uh, get down in front of them. Now, I'd hate to be um, uh, a player in the opposing team fielding in front of Bay 13, but um, a Victorian boy in the Australian team fielding in Bay 13 doesn't get any better. Um, what does cricket mean to you? What What is cricket for you? Um, yeah, mate, it's... That's a good question, that because obviously um, for for a long time um, it was number one priority, and then then your family comes along and, and it drops down. But um, what what cricket has done for me um, can cannot repay it, um, can cannot get anywhere near close to repaying. Um, but just the the mateships that I've, I've got from it, um, the experiences that we had on tour, and. You know, people say, how is it when you catch up with the boys? And, mate, you mightn't see them for five years, but when you catch up, it's like yesterday. Um, so you, you just start talking about uh, the guys, especially in 89 and 93 and, and the crossover of guys that went to both. The the bond that we've got, mate, you're never going to break that. So when you have an opportunity to catch up, uh, you do, and always special moments. And that's what I said today at the induction was that to, to every teammate I've ever had, and that's from the Werribee under-14s, um, right through and um, at, at every level. Um, you know, we've just got a, a real, real strong bond and, and certainly those guys in 89 and 93, the, the bond that you have and the mateships that you've got are fantastic. When you were going through those tough periods, um, there was a big part of you that loved the combative nature and, and, and yep, there's people that say, geez, I used to cop of uh, James Brayshaw says it all the time. He used to absolutely cop it <laughs> from you. But I have memories of you in, in that time where things weren't going well and, and you wanted to take up the fight to, to, the, to the West Indies of the world, to the, to, the, to the nations that were playing so well. And, and you did love to get into the chat, you know, the tickets please line and, um, and, and all the, 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 the great battles that you had with some of the best in the world. And I think that was able to, in that time where we weren't playing well, at least there was pride in the fact that people would see the way that you and Alan Border and, and, and players like that would go about it and go, well, at least we know that they're giving every single ounce of what they have. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that's, that's what you pride yourself on is, is being competitive and being competitive. And um, I, I get frustrated with people today that look at the Australian side and say, oh, this place's not trying or this place's not having a go. And you think you have no idea. Um, the, the pressure these guys are under and, um, you know, people talk about cricket now. I, I watch cricket now and it's a far better game now than it was when I played and people talk about the money involved and how much they get paid and for mine, these current players don't get enough. Um, just the, the scrutiny they've put under on and off the ground is unbelievable. Now, we copped it off the ground, uh, sorry, on the ground, but off the ground was our own time. And I suppose it started to sneak in towards the end of my career, but didn't really cop the bunt of it. But um, certainly to be to be judged on what you do on the field, um, cop that. But be judged with um, what you think and your attitude away from the game. Um, I, I think it's pretty harsh, and and that's what happens to these guys now. But uh, mate, I've got full admiration um, of the the current team, and um, you know people that are bagging them for losing to India. Mate, the reason we lost, we weren't good enough. India played bloody good cricket and, you know, we, we let ourselves slip a little bit with, with fielding and, um, you know, quite possibly didn't make enough runs. But ultimately, there's not one player in that side that wasn't given 100%.
Well, Merv, I could sit and talk to you all day, and I was lucky enough to be able to do it a few times for a couple of summers, and uh, I'll, uh-huh. I'll always treasure that. And uh, and one of the things that I think that is wonderful about you is that there's not one person that would disagree with this appointment as far as your, your cricket goes, but they would certainly say that what you've given to the people in and around cricket, what you continue to do, you've got time for everybody, you treat everybody exactly the same, uh, and I think that just speaks to the character of who you are. So thoroughly deserved from a cricketing point of view, but from a person point of view as well. It's just great to see and we're seeing the tributes flow in, mate. So congratulations. Wrapped for you. Uh, enjoy. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks for your time. That's a real treat. Merv Hughes today announced as the 56th inductee into the Cricket Hall of Fame and there's some texts coming through from people that have spent some time with Merv. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I know my old man still talks about uh, we were working uh, at the Boxing Day test a couple of years ago and Dad came up to have lunch and Merv sat with him and chatted with him for about 45 minutes, even pushed back his on-air time because he was sitting having, a yarn, sitting having a yarn to my old man and oh, I know that meant a lot to, to him at the time but uh, I saw him do that on a multitude of occasions throughout those couple of summers, just time for everybody. Um, doesn't matter who they were. Uh, if you've had that experience and, and a great Merv story, I'd love to hear from it. Uh, I'd love to hear it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. There's some great texts coming through as well. Keep those coming. 0433 98 11 16 on the temper text. Temper is a mattress like no other. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'd love to get your Merv Hughes stories next on Time On SEN. Your home of sport. Time On. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'd love to get your Merv Hughes stories if you had an interaction with the great man inducted today into the Cricket Hall of Fame. Thoroughly deserved. Wouldn't be a person who would disagree with it, I don't think, and it wouldn't be a person who wouldn't have put a smile on their face when they read that news. Um, off the text zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. I walked into a gym in Werribee way back. I got onto an exercise bike next to me. The great man Merv. I did. Um, I did my five minutes warm up. I got off my bike and said to Merv. The only thing better than beating the palms on home soil is beating them away. Palms on home soil, absolutely, Merv said, without expletives. As I walked away, the car park was drenched with sweat at least 1.5 metres from his bike. Wow, true story. That's from Andrew in Werribee. Played against Merv in district cricket, both first and second 11. Aggressive, but so funny. Uh, Joe, good interview, Sam. Uh, Thanks, Joe. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, Merv Hughes should be the coach of the Renegades. He'd get them firing again. 0433-98-1116-1300-736-736 uh, for your Merv Hughes story. The Collingwood AGM uh, going at the moment where Eddie Maguire has apologised for saying that it was a proud day for the club yesterday um, when they fronted media after the report that uh, found uh, systemic racism had existed at the club uh, for a long period of time. Um, they fronted the media after it was leaked and uh, he opened by saying it was a proud an historic day. He's apologised for saying that and uh, he apologises for the fact that that statement has taken away uh, the attention from the importance of those findings and the recommendations in there. Uh, they're about to go do it through a Q&A at the AGM at the moment, so when there's a bit to report there, we'll let you know. The NBL show's up next. Uh, Peter Hooley's warming up in the corner to get ready. Uh, also at the AGM, uh, Dane Beams, along with Nathan Brown, Ben Reed, and Heath Shaw have been made life members of the Collingwood Football Club. So congratulations to all of those men. Uh, Dane Beam said in a video message to Collingwood fans, I apologise to anyone who has potentially been hurt by my actions over the last couple of years. Um, and uh, a Q&A about to get underway. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the number, of course,
0433981116 on the temper text. Uh, temper is a mattress like no other. Um, after the NBL show, a little half an hour block where we can continue to take your calls and just work through some of the other stories of the day. And I've been interested to hear uh, for a lot of footy clubs that have been fronting up and doing a little bit of media in the last week, have you noticed that for all the teams, they've seemed to have a little to-do list. The number one agenda for their game plan, the number one item on that to-do list. For Melbourne, Max Gorn said uh, when he was having a chat to Gary and Tim that it was efficiency inside 50. They get a lot of it in there. They just can't keep it in there and they can't score from it. Josh Bruce, I spoke to yesterday, who uh, talked about what the most important thing for them was, game plan-wise, the thing they're working the most on. Michael Voss spoke to Dwayne today. So we might just get a little idea from you. Um, what do you think's on top of your club's to-do list in terms of game plan? Uh, the other story today, Carlton saying, uh, Kane Little uh, spoke to SCN today, spoke to Sam Edmund and said that they want a premiership within the next three years. Uh, so that is a, a big statement from the Carlton Football Club. You can have your thoughts on that as well. But it's the NBL show up next on SEN. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.